1: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. All right, buckle
2: up, everybody. It's going to be be a a real big Wednesday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by uh, J. Ron Smith from the White House. Uh, He's assistant to the president. He's all over this law enforcement reform, and that's what we're going to be discussing a lot about today. And then one of the finest, most respected uh, economists in the country, especially from the conservative perspective, I'm talking about Art Laffer. He's going to be with us live. Uh, and then we're going to be following up with James Conner, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler uh, standout with a book out with an inspiring story so appropriate for today. Uh, so far at the White House, is going to be some action. The president will announce um, his uh, task force to roadmap uh, different highlights to go against veteran suicide. The numbers have been astronomical for years. The president's that's it. He's going to tackle it head-on about time. Tim Scott, in about 25 minutes, will roll out in a press conference his official Justice Act. We'll get details on what the Republicans want to push forward and see if they can get seven Democratic votes. And House Judiciary Committee, will have a virtual markup on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is supposed to be extreme... And a non-starter for a third of it, two thirds we evidently agree. And uh, go to Brian. Go to uh, good news too today is as of today, iHeart Radio will now be carrying our show as a podcast, which is great. Join Spotify, joins Brian Kilmeade uh, and you can always stream us on Fox Nation. But iHeart's as big as it gets, and it's a big privilege for us uh, to be heard there today. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. We can have a conversation about how to name bases. They're trying to divide and whip up a culture war to distract from their failed policies. They have no answer to that, and they want to talk about anything but their actual record.
4: I
2: know they are trying to get a culture war, Democrats, but so is somebody else. Because it's not just happening here, it's happening in London, uh, and it's always happened in Germany. That's Senator Josh Holly, in Missouri. The war on history targeting Washington, Jefferson, and Jackson. Changing names of schools, ripping down signs and statues, plaques of Columbus. What does this have to do with police reform? What is going on here? Who wants to destroy our past because it's not perfect? Number two.
5: Fewer police on the street preventing crime and protecting community means more crime. And it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. And we increased cops and violent crime went down.
2: Wow, not rocket science. But man, you want to run from this, don't you? Pressure builds on Biden. As his past deeds have liberal groups demanding defund and dismantle be his new mantra. We will take a trip down memory lane, which Sleepy Joe was hoping to forget. No one else is, though, Joe. Plus, Seattle's lawless autonomous zone has been chopped, but lives on.
4: Number one. Today I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. These standards will be as high and as strong as there is on earth.
2: It's happening, but will it get done? The president issues an executive order on police reform. The reaction is pouring in. Senate Republicans unveil their plan, as I mentioned today. Democrats soon. No reason why this can't get done before July 4th. But I live on the world of naivete. And I do believe sometimes things are so important to get done for police as well as uh, for the general population. We need to see some progress, uh, not vilification. We don't want to wait for November, let alone my hope of possibly getting something done on immigration. Because I think... DACA is going to get punted by the Supreme Court, and it's going to be proven to be unconstitutional. We might get immigration reform if Democrats can be forced to come to the table. So let's talk about what the president announced yesterday. Uh, It's not that complicated. Require more disclosure about the use of force. That's what he wants. Require reporting on no-knock warrants. Provide incentives for chokehold bans. Uh, Don't demand it, but say only if your life's in danger to cops and grants for the purchase of body cameras are some of the things he's talking about. Here's more from the president, cut
4: one. Americans know the truth. Without police, there is chaos. Without law, there is anarchy. And without safety, there is catastrophe. That is why today I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. These standards will be as high and as strong As there is on earth. Uh, So he also talks about having some
2: type of social worker or a psychological expert when you're dealing with homeless, when you're dealing with drug abuse, when you deal with domestic situations. Uh, The problem is, I don't think anyone asks the social workers, but I digress. I think it would be okay to improve policing constantly, always. So give them incentives to do it, get quality people uh, with higher salaries rather than try to get to the lowest common denominator. That'll be a good start. So how do Democrats feel? Kamala Harris, shocking. It's so far from being relevant to the real crisis at hand and what we need to do to solve the problems that are obvious. Joe, you are listening? The Republican proposal is heavy on gestures light on meaningful reforms. Cory Booker. Chuck Schumer. I know the inclination of some of my Senate colleagues will be to cherry-pick a few small improvements and say the job is done. It will not be. Chuck Schumer's been there forever. When has he ever gotten the job done except win elections? For himself... And when he was in charge of the Senate, to his credit, he did. But I'm amazed at people that will not give the president any credit because the president does everything atypically. He does it the way he wants to do it. He does criminal justice reform, doesn't get any credit. Uh, When he does, uh, when he finances black colleges, doesn't get any credit. When opportunity zones incentivize big banks and major corporations to invest in uh, working class and challenged communities, he doesn't get any credit for it. And if you want to see the case, case in point, Look at James Clyburn yesterday. He goes on with Brett Bear. And he talks about African-American, uh, 80-year-old, third-ranked, highest-ranking, and maybe the most powerful now in the House. Listen to this exchange where he just will not give the president credit, even to the point when he denies the facts. Cut eight. All right, one thing. I'll, I'll just give you the buildup. Tim Scott, they rolled in a soundbite of Tim Scott in a special report, and Tim Scott basically ran through the president did HBCU financing. He did criminal justice reform, the Opportunity Zones, and then he got the results when it came to unemployment. So he rolled in Tim Scott saying all this. And here's what Clyburn says.
4: What do you say to him?
6: None of that's true. The fact of the matter is- uh, None of that's true? None of that is true. I went to an HBCU. I'm a graduate of South Carolina State University. I have been fighting for HBCUs all of my life. This is not the most money that's ever gone to HBCUs. That is just absolutely So what about the
4: First Step Act or Opportunity Zones? Well,
6: the president signed that bill, uh, but uh, Cedric Richmond uh, wrote much more of that bill than the president ever read. So I know how that bill got done.
2: What does that have to do with anything? It got done. I mean, I'll give you an example off the top of my head. George Bush has homeland security. You know whose idea that was, Joe Lieberman. But the Bush administration did it. The president signed it. So because he saw a Democrat proposal that was brought to him and worked with uh, Jared Kushner for, uh, he liked a lot of what was in it. Thought the time was now and pulled it off. We continue cut nine.
6: Hakeem Jeffries wrote that bill. These guys have been working on stuff in that bill for I don't know how many years. How long have we been trying uh, to get these things done? So they get wrapped into the bill. His son-in-law uh, came up and worked with people uh, to get the bill done. And the president signed it. But don't tell me uh, well, Congressman, what you did. He did, I he did it.
4: I mean, the administration did it. It wasn't the Obama administration. administration that did it. It was the Trump administration.
6: I didn't come here to argue with you, but you can argue if you want to. It's just not true. And that's not the only thing that this president says. That's just not true.
2: Do you understand where we're coming from? This is not even an argument. I'm not here to argue. Well, what's there to argue about? There's one president that signed it, and his name wasn't Barack Obama, it wasn't Bill Clinton, it wasn't George Bush. one 408 7669 That's the logic of today. Now, I expect that from a Alexander ocasio Cortez. I wouldn't expect that from James Clyburn. There's plenty to argue with the president. Don't make that up. Astounding. Jerron Smith is next, deputy assistant to the president of the United States. He's coming to us from the White House. What to expect from Tim Scott? What did the president announce yesterday? More importantly, what was the reaction from the victims' families that attended the ceremony, had private moments with the president and Tim Scott uh, in the Oval Office? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
7: I think the president was very receiving. Um, he she was very compassionate. Um, he did assure each family member that we, will, we would and should expect change.
0: I know we expressed a lot more could have been done. I mean, we're thankful for anything at this point, but we still have a very long way to go.
8: We're behind radical change. Uh, we don't think each, either bill fully represents the radical change that we would like to see. Uh, so we want to take as much from each of these bills uh, to get a bipartisan bill that is uh, as powerful as the
9: the injustice that we're facing.
2: Right. Uh, and it's going to be hard. Uh, Tim Kaine put out a bill there signed on by Cory Booker about his own justice reform, where he cited that America actually invented slavery which is fascinating because we didn't invent slavery. Uh, it was done way before. America takes pride in a lot of things, but uh, there's no pride there, and there's no reason to think that we came up with it. We were part of a world in the generation 200-plus uh, years ago that slavery was prevalent. It was all over our continent in South America. In fact, most slaves were in Brazil, uh, and they were all over the place. And I think uh, Europe was got rid, of eight, got rid of slavery in 1835, uh, 1838, and uh, we followed up in uh, 1865. Things did not go smooth after, but people want to draw a direct parallel, and I'm n- not sure that's going to be effective. Join us now is uh, Jerron Smith, Deputy Assistant to the President, who was with the President yesterday uh, when he met with the families uh, who have lost loved ones at the hands of law enforcement. And now law enforcement also present there as we try to get forward on law, law enforcement improvement. Jerron, welcome.
10: Thanks for having me, Brian. How are you?
2: No problem. Uh, first off, could you give everybody an idea of the four main principles what the president produced yesterday?
10: So um four main principles is one, um, investing into a co responders program. Um that's a partnership between DOJ and HHS and what they will fund is um social workers who can respond um to certain crimes or certain activity um dealing with mental health and drug addiction or homelessness. Um we've had a lot of uh, pressure on the police to handle uh social issues. Um that's not really the police's fastball. And so we think um, in helping the DS Situations, especially um, situations where someone's maybe on drugs or uh, um, particularly dealing with some type of mental illness, that social workers may be the most helpful response, and it can definitely de-escalate a situation better. Two, um, we're looking at a national um, database um, that would collect um, uh, all the all the bad cops to have these infractions um, that shouldn't, um, or maybe shouldn't be um, in a police force. Um, the chief of police is, um really pushed for this um, piece because the, we saw that bad police officers were jumping from police force to police force. Um, and it probably if we had a system like this, it would have prevented um, a cop with as many as the fractions of um, the, the police officer that killed George Floyd. Um, he wouldn't have been around. Um, then we also uh, created uh, um, infrastructure and incentives to encourage more police departments to get accredited. Um, Being accredited um, makes sure that that police department has standards around use of force, standards around um, um, de-escalation training, and also standards uh, around how to interact with the community. Um, We think that's going to be revolutionary um, because we know that um, the really good police departments that have great community um, police relations are accredited. And then lastly, uh, we made some recommendations to Congress on um, helping us with funding for uh, retention, um, the co-responders program, um, as well as looking at ways that we can invest into uh, community groups that can help with de-escalation.
2: I want you to hear what Chuck Schumer said. Cut 11. When it comes to urgent national priorities, the
6: Republican majority is like a broken magic eight ball that keeps saying, ask again later. The popular anger over long-simmering issues of police brutality and racial justice has reached the tipping point. There is no reason to wait. There is no reason to delay.
2: No, not enough. Magic 8-Ball. I know you're not surprised by having something negative about Chuck Schumer, but where's he wrong?
10: Well, I, I look at Chuck Schumer as a clear example of uh, 40 years of um, supporting a broken system. I mean, the current system um, that, that, that's upon us is, is, is most of the work of Chuck Schumer. If you see um, some of the um, social ills that New York has dealt with over the years, it's been um, individuals like Chuck Schumer that's pushed the status quo forward. And um, what Donald Trump is trying to do is it's changed the system um, to help forgotten communities and, more importantly, bring people together. Um, this is all about relationships and building trust um, between the police and the community um, and the president is using his power um, to bring both sides together um, because the other side of it is um, we, we had the police groups in here uh, yesterday but we also had the families um, and, and, and hearing from both camps um, we were able to find common ground and again the, the first um, the, the, the executive order is just a good first step and uh, we'll continue to work with Congress to see if there's, if there's more steps that we can take um, but I think the commitment is there from us and then more important is action-oriented, unlike what Chuck Schumer has done in over his last 40 years of being in Congress, uh, which is mostly talk um, and no action.
2: All right, I want you to hear what James Clyburn said, who might be the most powerful Democrat in the country right now. Cut 10.
6: Much, much too little and does not go far enough. I think that what we've got to do is attack this culture that all of us know exists. This is institutional. policing itself started out as slave patrols. We know that. And so what we've got to do is stop trying to put a Band-Aid on this problem and attack the institution
2: uh, that is perpetuating this culture. Is it a Band-Aid? Is he he saying that this is just endemic in America?
10: Well, I would say what was a Band-Aid was what they've done in the past with these commissions where we haven't even worked directly with the law enforcement officers. Um, No one hates a bad police officer more than a good police officer. And I think um, most of these police departments want to do what's right. But if you look at what some of these local mayors are doing in Atlanta or um, Minneapolis or even Baltimore, um, they're not even being accountable for their own police force. Um, They're not even doing the work they should do to make sure that their police department is trained um, and making sure their police department knows. How to escalate a situation. Um, some of those things are, are has to have local accountability, um, and, and many of these uh, leaders need to put some accountability on their local leaders. Uh, we've been to over um, sixty different cities throughout the country, um, trying to help uh, these uh, local leaders, um, you know, revitalize their cities. And, and some of them don't even show up, um, and they only show up on election day. And so, what the president is talking about is, is action, and uh, we, we're willing to work with anyone that wants to take decisive action.
2: All right, Jerron uh, Smith, thanks so much. I know you've been at the, the forefront of this uh, as Deputy Assistant to the President of the United States. It's uh, another busy day at the White House. I look forward to seeing what Senator Tim Scott comes up with today, and maybe you get something by July 4th. Is there a sense that July 4th is possible?
11: Well, we will
10: see. Um, you know, it's a lot of work ahead of us, but the commitment is there from our end.
2: Okay, go get him, Jerron. So, Appreciate it. Thanks so much. 1-866-408-7669. Are you ready for another rescue package? The president says he wants a few more trillion. Art Laffer, an esteemed economist, award-winning, will weigh in. And then James Conner, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be a busy hour. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: News Podcasts Plus. You can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: We were planning on massive growth. It was happening. It was already there. Including big salary increases which were already taking place for the last two and a half years. Big, big increases. Record increases. Nobody's seen anything like it. And then we got hit by the virus, along with the rest of the world, and now I'm building it up again. Here we go again, but I'm building it up again and it's moving fast.
2: And with unemployment claims, uh, stunningly at the end of May of over 2 million, uh, instead of uh, uh, 2 million jobs added, and now with uh, retail sales up a significant amount yesterday, uh, the White House still in deep discussions with congressional leaders on a fourth pandemic stimulus plan. How would Art Laffer view that? I have an idea. Let's talk to the economist himself. He's with Reagan's. He's from Reagan's economic policy advisory team uh, and co-author of Trumponomics, Inside the America First Plan to Revive Our Economy. And he's with us now. Art, welcome back.
12: Thank you, you, Brian. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.
2: So how do you feel about, uh, first off, the comeback? Do you believe the comeback is on? And what indicators give you the sense... That, the, uh, uh, that maybe you, you, we should be as optimistic as the president.
12: Well, you know, economics is very powerful, Brian, and everyone underestimates the power of incentives to attract people to do things that they want to do. And the best indicator of what's really happening in the economy, best indicator now, is the stock market. The stock market really forecasts what will be. The stock market is an efficient, unbiased forecaster of the future. Uh, it doesn't tell you what has been, it tells you what will be. Uh, initially, when the COVID 19 uh, virus hit us, uh, uh, it dropped from uh, 295 I think it was, to eighteen thousand, a thirty five percent drop, which was very pan. They were the market was panicked, but as the numbers started coming in, the number of uh, deaths from COVID nineteen, it was a much less of a problem than we thought it was. Uh, and as that has happened, the market has rebounded very nicely. And now the market thinks this is not a huge deal by any means. It's nowhere near uh, the collapse in the market in the year two thousand or in two thousand eight or in nineteen. 1987 even, or even 1974, this is a, going to be a very sharp down and a very sharp back up, and the market tells us uh, we're going to be back up and running quickly, and that $2.5 was what I thought would happen as an economist. Uh, all the other commentators said, oh my God, it's so surprised!" but it shouldn't surprise you. Retail sales shouldn't surprise you. The stock market shouldn't surprise you. Economics is truly vital and people really want to make income, and they really go at it very heavily. And I I think the president's totally right on this, and I'm looking forward to his next stimulus plan, which I hope is a payroll tax waiver.
2: All right, so you want to see another $2 trillion spent?
12: Uh, I don't think I need $2 trillion. Uh, You know, it's much better to cut taxes than it is to increase spending. It's very difficult and very costly for the government to collect taxes or collect revenues and then spend them. There's this huge toll for the troll, Brian, uh, which includes tax accountants, lawyers, deferred income specialists, IRS agents, audits, blah, 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 blah. So for every dollar you collect, it costs you about 35 cents. This is a paper I did with John Childs, and there's out-of-pocket costs about 35 cents on each dollar. So therefore, if you have a tax cut, every dollar of incentive with a tax cut is about 35% more efficient than is uh, a spending stimulus in the program. So I would just love to see the tax uh, uh, payroll tax waiver through December 31st and let it be at that. That will skyrocket this economy, Brian. And I think the president's on board on that one.
2: Well, he is. Uh, that's in the stimulus plan reportedly. Uh, they're also, because he wants to get it passed, Things for Democrats, which are direct payments uh, to Illinois, California, and New York, uh, but in turn he does want infrastructure spending, uh, unemployment benefits extended, liability protection, which is big for Republicans, it should be big for every American. Uh, what do you like and dislike about it? I just rattled off.
12: You know, you know, I'm really a pure economist. I, you know, I don't know uh, what all these other things are. Infrastructure spending is great uh, as long as we need the infrastructure. Uh, you know, I think building bridges to the North Pole is probably not make sense. But if we need infrastructure, that's a good program to do, and it should be, should be done in its own merits, Brian, not because of stimulus. Uh, I think with respect to stimulus, all we really need is to reduce taxes on employment to get people back to work as fast as possible. Uh, I think increasing unemployment benefits pays people not to work, and it will not get this economy jump-started. Now, obviously, you need enough unemployment benefits to make sure these people can can, can, can traverse the period of, of, of bad luck, but you don't need to add on to it. That I don't think you need. And you know, you're going to have to do some of this stuff for politics, and but that's out of my purview. I mean, and it's not just Democrats, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of Republicans want fat and gristle and favors done in the bill as well. But that's right, part of no the process.
2: Qu- no question. So, uh, how much do you think better? How much better do you think we could be doing? If these governors weren't playing politics in the slowness in which they're opening up their states, those are my words and my views. That you know, what's no, you're, happening in New York, right. what's happening in Pennsylvania, what's happening in Vermont and Maine, what's happening in Illinois uh, is ridiculous.
12: It is. What's happening in Tennessee, where I live, is pretty good. I mean, we're opening up pretty quickly. The one that's really amazing to me is Colorado. Under Governor Jared Polis, they're opening up very quickly. Beautiful. And he's a Democrat, by the way. He was also my intern when he was young in my, in my firm, so that was great. Wow. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it, it's just good economics to open up quickly. People are much better at making their own decisions than they are at having the government make the decisions for them, Brian. Now, there are reasons why you want to lock down for a while. You don't want this thing being transferred from everyone, and uh, you know, there are a lot of things you want to do to be very careful, especially with places like nursing homes, and that you want to make sure the elderly are protected from inadvertent uh, transmission. But bottom line, you know, you shouldn't lock down the whole economy. There's no reason why schools should be closed. Uh, There's no reason why young people, small businesses in rural areas shouldn't be opened right away. I don't know why they were closed to begin with. Uh, and the worst states, as you mentioned, are Cuomo's New York and Murphy's Connecticut. I mean, Murphy's uh, New Jersey, Lamont's Connecticut, Pritzker's Illinois. Yeah, they're just. Disaster, Bashir in Kentucky. Compare Kentucky and how locked down they are there versus how open we are here in Tennessee, and you understand why everyone's moving to Tennessee. Right. They want to have control over their uh, lives. They don't want a governor to to boss them around on everything. And it makes perfect sense. Who's better at taking care of me than me? If I think there's a risk, I believe me, I'm not going out. <laughs>
2: Uh, exactly. You know if you have an underlying condition. You know if you have a heart ailment. You know exactly. if there's a lung issue. Exactly. You know if you have diabetes. And, and that's personal response. – I've never in my life been more frustrated uh, by uh, a single person than this Governor Cuomo – Uh, And this Mayor de Blasio saying, you can go outside for a while, but come back in. You can walk on the beach. Don't lay on the beach. You can walk on the beach. You can't swim on the beach. And I'm (laughs) warning you, New York. I saw you standing outside together. If this continues, I'm going to lock you down again. Really? Who the hell are you?
12: I love, I love it. I mean, it's, it's a caricature of 1984, George Orwell's 1984, you know, and that these people are better and smarter for us than we are for ourselves. Right. And it's such So I got to ask you this such arrogance. But right. and I so, hope they don't so give money to that, these loser states, by the way. I hope the next stimulus bill does not give money uh, independently. I mean, if they give it to all the states based upon population or something, that's one thing. But if they give it to states that are loser states because they have the highest taxes, they're the most <coughs> anti-business states like Connecticut, and New Jersey, and New York and Illinois and some of these other states, it would be a travesty re- to reward their incompetence.
2: Uh, wow, well, you just brought me a different direction. Uh, but real quick, when people are listening right now, they know retail's taking a pounding. The malls may not reopen. Uh, are we seeing a shift? Is something changed forever because of this pandemic? When we watch people get everything delivered and they're choosing to uh, get food delivered and, and stuff that they used to go shopping for, they now go online. Have we pushed away from retail more rapidly than, than our economy normally would have?
12: Yeah, you know, whenever you have something like a pandemic or anything, something that disastrously destroys an economy or or an environment, once the destruction has occurred, then you get all sorts of new things moving in and creating. It's what Schumpeter referred to, and Larry Kudlow loves this, it's called creative destruction the pandemic has some side benefits that are really pretty good. One of them is all sorts of new economic developments are going to take place, like delivery of food, like this. Uh, Cruise lines probably aren't going to be a favorite for quite a while. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's going to really change the composition of production output and employment, and having a lot of businesses fail means that you're going to have a lot of businesses open, new investments, new businesses opening with new products, new things, so you're going to get a surge in productivity, Brian, that's Going to be very impressive and very ultimately long-term benefit for the economy.
2: Absolutely. So, Art, always great to have you on. Your enthusiasm is contagious, and hopefully, we'll have good news for the country uh, each time we have you on as we get through the summer. Uh, Art Lafford, thanks so much.
12: Thank you, okay. Brian. Talk to you later. Bye.
2: You got it. Uh, coming up next, we change gears. James Conner, Pittsburgh Steeler, outstanding running back, author of a brand new book called "Fear Is a Choice: Tackling Life's Challenges with Dignity, Faith, and Determination." that story coming your way.
1: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox
3: News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
2: All right, in a couple of minutes, we uh, could be talking to uh, uh, we should we should be talking to James Conner. We're just tracking him down now. He's got a brand new book. He had cancer when he was 20 years old. He's able to battle all the way back and talk about uh, tackling life's cha- uh, challenges. In fact, the name of his book is called "Tackling Life's Challenge with Dignity, Faith, and Determination." We catch up with him. We'll we certainly uh, will get to that. Uh, When he does, in fact, call in, a couple of things I think is uh, pretty interesting. There was a study done, and they say, dating back to when they were doing these studies, America as a country is more unhappy than at any point since 1972. This is the middle of the oil embargo and the Watergate mess. I think we've got to pull ourselves out of this. Hopefully the worst is uh, behind us. Joining us now is James Conner, Pittsburgh Steelers, running back, and uh, author of a brand-new book, Fear is a Choice, Tackling Life's Challenges with Dignity, Faith, and Determination. James, welcome to Brian Kilmeade Show.
11: Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for having
8: me.
2: Good. Hey, no problem. James, a young guy, already writing a biography, uh, already had a great life and a challenging life. How did getting cancer at 20, your junior year in college, really help shape who you are today?
11: I think it just kind of forced me to to grow grow early and, and mature early. Uh, having something like that to deal with that early, um, you know, it kind of puts you in a position to, to where you have to make these choices and develop this mindset. And, um, and so, I think that honestly did prepare me for, for what I had to go through uh, later on in life. And so, um, and that's also what the game of football it does: it teaches you responsibility, teaches you, you know, perseverance and, and how to push through things. So, um, you know, kind of just with that football mindset and and, and then on cancer you know i think that kind of helped me push me through
2: you're also very proud of the fact that through the cancer you worked out right
11: Mm mm-hmm for sure i had what does that do put
2: put some control back in your hands right
11: yeah for sure you know i I definitely had, had choices to make even though you know i was tired from the chemo and and all of that, I, I still wanted to be there for, for, for my teammates, and I still had that goal of getting back to the field and also getting to the NFL. So, you know, after treatments, I had to just continue to work out. I wanted to stay as if I knew that after the season was over, I, well, after the treatment was over, that, you know, I was going to have a season to play. So I just wanted to be there for my teammates, and, and I think that helped me have something to look forward to after it was over having have me push through
2: what was it like growing up, James? You you credit your grandmother as playing a vital role in your life. What was the family dynamic in the Connor family?
11: It you was know, just a lot of encouragement with, through, with everybody. You know, all my brothers and family, they always encouraged me a lot and always believed in me. and But also told me that you got to work for what you want. And so, um, you know, I got a whole bunch of brothers, you know, and they they shaped me, the ones who really, really shaped me growing up. And, you uh, know, yeah, from Erie, Pennsylvania, um, you know, so I just know how to work. I think I just developed the work ethic early. And, you know, I credit that to my brothers growing up.
2: Well, one person uh, that you take great pride in, in emulating, and I remember him when he broke in. I remember how good he was. Uh, Tony Dorsett. You broke his uh, his record for for rushing in uh, in the P- Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. What does that mean to you?
11: It just means awesome. It's such a huge honor, you know, his resume, what he done—that's it. And uh, for me, just, a, just that's one of those records. Um, you know, it's just—you uh, know—he's he, he, one of the all-time greats you know, in, in college football. Hope not even just at the University of Pittsburgh. And so, um, for me to be able to—you know—have that title from him, uh, it's truly really honor. You know, just where I'm coming from, it's really humbling for me to, to be up there and, and to have my name mentioned with him. So, so truly really honor. I don't take for granted.
2: So uh, James, in the, in the off season, I think the football, uh, the NFL, has really showed the other leagues how to get it done. At least they hope. When you guys had your draft, I've never heard more people so relieved and looking forward to this than anything else. When you when you released your schedule, when the NFL released their schedule, when you talked about your virtual training camps, football means so much to this country. Do you, what was the what has the pandemic been like for you? Uh, how has it been knowing that? your livelihood's in jeopardy through no fault of your own.
11: Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just something that to stay dedicated with and uh, kind of just hope for the best. Kind of still playing it by ear to see, you know, how, how things are going to play out and what the, you know, new rule, the new normal is going to be. Uh, you know, me and my teammates are trying to take full advantage of, the, of this virtual offseason, of this different offseason. But, we're, you know, we're, we're itching to get back together as a group and, it's to get football started, kind of just like everybody else, but we just got to take our precautions and be safe. But you know, we were we're itching to get back, like you say, football is really important to you know, to this whole country. So that's what we're gonna, you know, hopefully we can get back to its soon.
2: James, what's been like uh, for you watching all the civil unrest happen after the death of George Floyd? What's different about this compared to the other horrific uh, incidents that have happened of late, from Ferguson to Baltimore?
11: Um it's tough because it seems like now even with the social media agents, you know, it's uh you know, everything is getting recorded and it's kinda of something that's still you know, we're still fighting for justice. So it's kinda of scary times that you can have something so obvious and something that's so totally in your face and and it seems like, you know, the justice system still turns the other way and don't really see it. So I mean honestly this has happened many, many times before. It's very frustrating with um, you know the, the shape of our country and and the system right now is broken. But we have to continue to, to, to spread this awareness and continue to try to you know over time, day by day, try to make change and and, and get some type of justice. You know, because things need to change. And so, uh, uh, but I know they still there's still protesting and 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 that's what it's going to take. It's going to take you know us not letting it die down. And, and keep that, that our main focus so that, you know, hopefully, you know, our, our, the new generation and our kids coming up, you know, it, it'll be a little different for them.
2: Uh, James, congratulations on the book. Uh, it is really excellent. Hopefully, the, the country is going to rally behind it. And it's certainly the message we can all relate to and hope to adopt. Fear is a choice. Tackling life's challenges with dignity, faith, and determination. About 30 million people lost their jobs. They're fearful. This could be inspirational, and I really think it will be. James, thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you in pads.
11: Awesome. Thank you, brother. You
2: got it. Brian Kilmeach, back with you in just a moment.
3: Jason in the House,
13: the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
1: From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's going to be a big hour. Uh, Kevin McCarthy at the bottom of the hour right now we're watching and monitoring Senator Tim Scott's release the Republican plan for criminal justice, excuse me, uh, police justice, police reform, I would say. Uh, but they're just talking about not only bolstering up the police, but also bolstering up uh, the way we do things across the country. And there's a lot of agreement. Hopefully they'll get something done. The goal is before July 4th. So keep your fingers crossed. Brad. Uh, congressman Brad Winstrup also with us. Uh, the, the congressman is uh, celebrating his birthday today, which is always great uh, when he's on the radio with us, too, to tell us what's happening in the House side, because as usual, Democrats have dealt the Republicans out. He's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
3: We can have a conversation about how to name bases. They're trying to divide and whip up a culture war to distract from their failed policies. They have no answer to that, and they want to talk about anything but their actual record.
2: Uh, that's uh, really hard to deny, and that is what's happening. Uh, we are talking about Senator Josh Hawley commenting on the war in history, targeting Washington, Jefferson, Jackson, every Confederate general, and just about everyone, everything with Christopher Columbus's name on it, including the District of Columbia. Uh, Columbia yes, what is going on with America's past? Why is it uh, in the crosshairs of these street vagrants? We'll talk about it.
8: Number two.
5: Fewer police on the street preventing crime and protecting community means more crime. And it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. And we increased cops and violent crime went down.
2: Uh, That is Senator Joe Biden years ago, 2007. Pressure builds on Biden as his past deeds have liberal groups demanding to fund and dismantle. We'll take a trip down memory lane with Sleepy Joe. He was hoping to forget that trip. No one else is, Joe. I have news for you on the left side, the way left side. Plus, Seattle's lawless autonomous zone has been chopped, but lives on.
4: Number one. Today, I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. These standards will be as high and as strong as there is on Earth.
2: Uh, it's happening, but will it get done? President uh, President issues executive orders on police reform, and his reaction is pouring in. Senate Republicans unveil their plan right now. House Democrats, as soon as tomorrow. Uh, no reason why they can't get this done, but will they? And let's bring in the birthday boy himself, or I should say man, uh, Congressman Brad Winstrom. Uh, Congressman, welcome back.
13: Hey, thanks, Brian. Good to be with you this morning.
2: Well, first Great off, we're watching Senator Tim Scotty. Well, thank you very much. Uh, And the audience thanks you, too. Uh, Congressman, um, right now we're watching Senator uh, Tim Scott uh, roll out the Senate uh, idea of police reform. What do you know about it? He was your former colleague in the House. What do you know Mm -hmm. about it? And what do you guys plan on putting into the House version?
13: Well, we had a really good conversation yesterday with Senator Scott, with our entire conference and the house has been involved members of the house with the appropriate backgrounds we feel have been directly involved with senator scott in crafting this bill and by that i mean we've had our law enforcement officers participating we've had people with judicial experience participating and we've just had members participating that have some insight on the on the issues or want to have insight on the on the issues I I think that uh, Tim has done a very good job of putting something together here. One of the key components to what we're talking about here is actually collecting data, data that can tell the tale of what's going on. You know, as we look at what happened in in Minnesota, no one thinks that that was right. No one does. And so you have a situation like that that we say, look, we've got to take a look at at what's right and wrong in, in our policing. I stand with police. Let's not forget June 14th, just three years ago, it was police who saved all of our lives at the baseball field. And, you know, that is is something that we have to recognize. And that's why I stand by police. I always have stood by police. That's how I was brought up to stand by police. But you, if you have bad eggs, you've got to do something about it. His His program. Um, I think is out to not to demonize our law enforcement, uh, but to bring our law enforcement more into line with uh, appropriate behavior. And, you know, we've got to take a look at having the ability to go after those in the profession that are not acting professionally. And and I think that's an important component to, to w- what we're talking about. As a doctor, I've been in court one time and that was against another doctor. Not that I wanted to really go after another doctor, but if this doctor was doing the wrong things over and over again, I felt it hurt our profession to allow that to continue. So I think that's the approach that we're taking. We want an information, a system that shares information, allows us to make smart decisions. And, you know, the federal government is different than the local. Most of the control is at the local level. We want to, and to be able to fund efforts towards positive behaviors in, in police enforcement.
2: Yeah, and by the way, you helped save Steve Scalise's life with your medical background, and we can't forget that day, and I know he never will either. Uh, Congressman, uh, I want to get to another major issue in this country, and that is the war on history. In particular of interest to me, I, I always relished our past. I never thought it was perfect. Now all of a sudden, if it's not, it's got to come down. You know, uh, George Washington had slaves. He's got to be taken off schools. Abraham Lincoln on colonization. Evidently, his statue has got to be taken down in Boston. Andrew Jackson's in Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville was named after him. Well, we don't like the way he dealt with American Indians, even though he was an incredible general and an outstanding president. Even though he's not a president, maybe you would vote for everything he had. He made a huge impact on this country. They want to take him off out out of New Orleans. We fought the famous battle. You wrote a column in the Washington Examiner talking about our flag on Flag Day and how it constantly got better and constantly changed. Are we missing that part of America?
13: I think we really are. I mean, I think it is absolutely um, interesting how many people feel that they are so perfect and have had no flaws in their lives. That's one thing. Um, as, as they look back now on history... But if you look at history, think about when certain people were born and the system they were born into and how many things that they did to improve, to improve the United States of America, to create the United States of America, to lay down the idea of liberty and justice for all, and to lay down the idea of a government of the people, by the people, for the people, to lay down the idea of establishing a more perfect union. And if, you know, it's fine to look back at our flaws, but to be so condemning of people that did so many things that l- are led and are continuing to lead towards a system of where we don't like injustice, to where there we, we have to you know, speak up on this. We want to mend our every flaw, as America the Beautiful says. That's the reality that we live in. And so to go back and condemn everyone that were born into certain systems but made a difference in changing that system is what needs to be recognized more than anything else. And, you know, there, people are going to look back on us today and probably say, can you believe that was going on back then? And I hope that's the case because we certainly have things we need to continue to improve on. And I think that uh, that's obvious to everyone today. So let's focus on what they did that was positive and remember the system they were born into and how they sought to improve it.
2: Right. People are going to, uh, and I always use this analogy, in 2008, Barack Obama said uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. And if 2012, if you said that, uh, you're, uh, you're a homophobe or uh, you're working against rights if you believe what Barack Obama believed in 2008 he changed in 2012 does that mean no school should be named after Barack Obama we shouldn't buy his book no, you might agree or disagree with him he's an historic figure like it or not does it mean that you agree with everything that he grew uh, agree with or ran on This never was a debate before, but I think part of the problem is things I hear from people like Senator Tim Kaine. This guy, I never thought was somebody, uh, I thought he was a so-called moderate Democrat. I'm disabused of that with statements like this. Cut 30. The United States didn't inherit slavery from anybody. We created it. It got created by the Virginia General Assembly and the legislatures of other states. It got created by the court systems in colonial America and sense that enforced fusion of slave laws. It was we created it. And we created it and maintained it over centuries. Really? We created slavery? I know America is considered arrogant and we considered everything that we invented. But uh I'm pretty sure we didn't invent slavery.
13: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure about that too. That that existed for uh centuries and centuries and centuries and um that doesn't mean but we are a country that sought to get rid of it and that is something that we need to celebrate. There's no doubt about that. You know, and I, I wrote that piece about the flag because the flag stands for all the things that we do believe in. It's just that some of our people don't always adhere to those virtues and values. So de- to denigrate the flag, which which stands for uh, preventing injustice and liberty and justice for all and equal treatment unto the law and, and personal freedom and all of these wonderful things, that's what the flag stands for. Don't condemn the flag and what it has stood for and where it has gone and been just because some people don't adhere to those values in our country. We have to continue to work on those that that don't adhere to those values. That's really what America is about, and it's a, it's a constantly ever-changing thing. And you're right. To reach back and to look at something anybody ever did, you have to look in the context of the time, and that's the only way to do it fairly and like Josh Holly said, you, we can have these conversations, but what's taking place right now uh, is, is, not, is not fair and doesn't do us any good. It's how are we looking forward? I prefer to look forward to the things that America can accomplish uh-huh. and how much better we
2: can be. How do you feel about what Speaker Pelosi wants to remove all the Confederate statues out of the Capitol?
13: Yeah, you know, I I don't know what's her point with that. Uh, It's part of our history. I think it would be silly to ignore our history. Why is that statue there? What does it represent? What does it mean to you? I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. But to forget, what are we going to try and forget that we had a civil war? I don't think that's a good idea. And so, um, you know, again, what are we going to do to move forward? And, you know, people can make their own decisions within those states, and and they should make the decisions of who they put there. And just like you pointed out with Barack Obama, feeling one way one day and another way years later, uh, states can do that as well with those statues, and and maybe that will happen. I don't know. Um, But there are certain things that we suggest take a look at and talk about, but also how is it going to make us better going forward if it, if indeed it's going to?
2: Right. You served our country. You're a doctor and a congressman. And you just point out, you never said we we're perfect, but I think one of the admirable things about America is we always try to be. Uh, so don't denigrate it. Work for it. And I wish some of these people taking a knee and complaining would preface it with, I love this country. I want to be a part of it. Uh, Frederick Douglass, born a slave, wanted to be an American and was insulted by the fact that people like Abraham Lincoln were saying, hey, we're sorry, we'll send you back to your country or send you back to what previous generation did. They looked at him and said, are you kidding me? I want to be an American. So if they could think that, how dare we do this? Uh, Congressman, best of luck. Hopefully get something done uh, before July 4th.
13: Hey, thanks, Brian. God bless you.
2: You got it. 1-866-408-7669. i will come back for the first time today. Take your calls. Kevin McCarthy at the bottom of the hour. Uh, another decision maker. Don't move. This is the Brian
1: Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My
13: name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will I humbly say, single-handedly save the world.
3: You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade we believe that our
14: policy positions
1: are one that brings
14: the communities of color into a position of stronger uh, understanding and confidence in the institutions of the of authority and we believe that it brings our law enforcement community to a place where they have the resources necessary to de-escalate some of these situations and frankly uh, through James Langford's uh, work on this package we bring in the opportunity to hire more officers and have more training and have a better perspective on the history.
2: Yeah, and, and make the officers better at their job, pay them more for the job. Uh, that is Senator Tim Scott giving the details of the Republican plan going forward. Require more disclosure about the use of force. Require reporting of no, on no-knock warrants. Provide incentives for chokehold bans. Grants for the purchase of body cameras, because many of these uh, police precincts are so small and different types, they say, I, you know, i got to pay my people. I can't afford this, um, uh, these cameras. So when they comply, they get the federal money, they'll get the help. Uh, we're talking a little bit about history, too. Jack is listening to WSKY in Gainesville, Florida. Jack. Hey, man, you know what? Like, they keep tearing down these statues and everything. And like, what else are they going to take down? Are they going to take down the Constitution? Like, what's
7: next, man? Like, we need more statues. We need more history. This is why, like... You know, they killed American soldiers and everything. We should have a statue to to Timothy McVeigh, right? That's what we should do, right?
2: Uh, What are you talking about?
7: Well, I mean, like the we're talking about the the not sorry. I'm sorry. The uh, the Confederate states, right? They killed American soldiers. So, what statue should we
2: have? So, Jack. So, Jack. Do do you want uh, what statues do you want? Do you want no history? Do you want no history books? Do
15: you think well, no, Thomas Jefferson no, no. was a great, no, I mean, great man?
2: That's why Timothy McVeigh needs a statue. That's why
7: Muhammad Atta needs a statue. Because they also killed Americans. It's part of our history. Does, does,
2: really? You should definitely keep Timothy McVeigh in our history books, but you don't get a statue. Without Jefferson, we're not the same country. Without Washington, we're not a country. That's different than a killer. If you go and take out the British, or if you do things that are that are, that are true to that day, they're to be noted. But it doesn't mean that George Washington is less of a great man. It doesn't mean that Jefferson, Monroe, and Madison aren't less great. Because Lincoln was supportive of colonization doesn't mean he was great. Because Lincoln tried wasn't great. Because Lincoln tried to cut a deal with the South that they could keep their slaves, that they just would not secede doesn't mean he was not great. It means he should be studied. And in the entirety, he should be lauded. Forty-five presidents. They should not move. You don't agree with Jackson? Jackson was an influential figure beyond his year, eight years in office. Uh, he was part of Mountain Martin Van Buren, Buchanan, Sam Houston. Uh, it goes on and on and on. I get the sarcasm. You could say whatever you want, but for you to think that because people are historic figures, uh, Charles Manson is a historic figure he doesn't get a statue. Charles in St. Louis. Hey, Charles.
15: Hey man, look! I just want—I've got to say something about what this guy just said. It's just—I agree with Bush and uh, in Texas uh, putting the the armed forces and the and everybody in front of the Alamo. Because I mean, what does that have to do with anything that you know these people are riding and all over? I'm a semi truck driver. I come from a. A very patriotic family. My, both my parents were law enforcement. Uh, all of my family has been military, including myself, a Marine. And uh, you know, Trump has done great things, especially for truckers. We got new laws coming out that's going to give us more time to drive. But the gentleman that you had on just a minute ago that 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 did not want to give Trump credit for the uh, bill that's being passed. James Clyburn. It was James written, Clyburn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for him to say that, I mean, the, the, the Democrats do not want Trump to have any kind of glory right now because they're doing everything they can with block, blocking his rally because they're saying that it's going to interfere with, uh, you know, what, what about all these riots and these uh, protests that they're paying?
2: Exactly. Uh, Charles, great caller. Great, Thanks so much for doing the driving.
3: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
14: Let me start by simply saying that too often we're having a discussion in this nation about are you supporting the law enforcement community or are you supporting communities of color? This is a false binary choice. The answer to the question of which side do you support? It's I support America. And if you support America, you support... Restoring the confidence that communities of color have in institutions of authority. This legislation encompasses that spirit. It speaks to the fact that we believe that the overwhelming number of officers in this nation are good people.
2: That is former Congressman turned Senator uh, Tim Scott, who led the charge for uh, police reform and law law and order and criminal justice and the men in uniform had a seat at the table, as well as did the minority community and those in the community that seemed to understand the big problem. That's why it was a very thoughtful presentation about 20 minutes ago that was put out there by Republicans. Almost 24 hours prior, the president rolled out his executive orders. Now we wait for the House. Minority leader who wants to be speaker, uh, Kevin McCarthy, joins us now. Congressman, welcome back.
5: Thanks for having me back.
2: First off, uh, I know that Tim Scott briefed your caucus, What could you uh, uh, tell our listeners about the highlights of what was presented today?
7: Well, this is a very good bill and a thoughtful bill, and I want to thank Tim Scott for all the work that he has done on this. He's listened. He's worked with all sides. And it really takes the framework when you think about this, how do we improve performance? How do we have more accountability? How do we have greater transparency? How do you remove a bad cop? Because I'll tell you, the number one people that want bad cops removed are good cops. And what's happened so far in the past is even it's so tough to remove one, they, they cut a deal where they have nothing on their record. So then they go to another department. So you've got the transparency of the record. You've got other eyes on on issues that if it arises so it doesn't get to the level that we saw happen in in uh, George Floyd's instance. That should never happen and their family deserves justice. We need more training, uh, not less. You look at the study that has done with all the police chiefs, 80% of them request more training. I think a video camera is very important protect the officer, protect everyone, and have transparency throughout. We provide funding for that, so even the smallest of departments are able to do that. I think it just builds that respect back, has the, helps those cops even train even better. How do we de-escalate the situation? You know, we've always get to look in hindsight at 100%. An officer has to make a decision in a split second with only about 25% of that information. We want to provide them the greatest information we can, because we remember what these people are doing they're risking their lives every single day you look at Pat Underwood he lost his life while defending a courthouse where we believe in equal rule of law by a van just pulling up opening a door and shooting him they deserve justice for that and that's what we're working towards
2: so the president rolled out his plan and it's it's very simple to the point what he had control over and uh, he does want to see chokeholds banned unless, of course, your life is being threatened. He is open to having a social worker or some type of psychologist uh, uh, in a car should they be going to an event that involves homeless drug uh, or drug use or more of a social background. No one's talked to the social workers about that. Some of these things uh, uh, co-mingle with what Democrats want. But here's what Nancy Pelosi said yesterday. Cut 14.
12: I can't imagine they wouldn't have a ban on chokeholds. Let's get reasonable chokehold is a lynching as a strangulation it's a lynching uh I, I think that that is almost like the lowest common denominator but again i'll leave it up to my uh uh negotiators
2: uh, she goes on cut 13 you don't have it okay you don't have it all right uh Congressman, I'll tell you what she said. For the leader of the Senate to say it's going nowhere, uh, where we don't want any of it that's a really disgraceful. We know that we need to have guidelines uh, trailing databases. We need all those things. Also need to have some serious legislation to make sure it happens nationally. So Senator McConnell has said, what I've been seeing, especially when it comes to immunity, we're not going to do that. There's, that's a poison pill. What can you tell us is coming out of the House? Well, remember, what what the Democrats have done,
7: and this is the difference when you look at Tim Scott's bill. Tim has worked with everybody. The Democrats have written a bill that didn't talk any way with Republicans or anybody else. It's just what they think should happen. When you talk about immunity, let's talk what what that is. It's not written legislatively. This is a court-drawn where they go after and protect good cops. But if a bad cop does something, out of the line of training, you can sue them. But think for one moment if you took that away. Who is going to take the job of being an officer? What's going to happen Nobody. you're going to, go to have to go to. You're, you're, yeah, and you're going to get more bad cops, and you're going to go to, to hire outside instead of a, a community base. It's going to be private entities doing this, and no one's going to do the job. We want to make sure our communities are safe. Look, America does not want to see what's happening in Seattle happen across the country that's the last thing we want to see but we never want to see what happened to george floyd so how do we make those corrections and that's what tim scott does he, he goes about yes we make choke holds illegal and make sure that you can't do anything when somebody's handcuffed but think for one moment if a cop is into a hand-to-hand fight with somebody are you going to sit back and say you can't kick or hit or somebody else that's That's not going to go through their mind. So you want to make sure you have the training, the de-escalation. And this is what President Trump should get a lot of credit for, what he did in the executive order. He did not sit around for people to do something in Congress and Senate because he sees Nancy Pelosi won't even bring the House back. So how can you work something through? He sees that you don't have input from committees. One hearing markup and out. So he took action, and he took really strong action that lays the framework and the foundation for what we'll do in the end. And that's really what you see Tim Scott's bills doing. And the Senate now says they're going to bring it up before the 4th of July. The only thing that will hold up for us getting law will be Chuck Schumer because it mm-hmm. takes 60 votes of the Senate. Is Chuck going to put America first? and make sure that we're able to get this into law.
2: I'm just curious. I mean, were they negotiating? I should have asked Tim Scott this morning on television. Were they discussing it all with uh, leadership, Democratic leadership?
7: Look, you've listened to where Nancy Pelosi has been. That's the last thing she ever wants to do. But uh, I've watched Tim Scott reach out to Karen Bass and others within the Black Caucus. He's been working on all sides. I mean... Tim is a statesman. No one's ever said anything different about this man. He's an amazing individual, and he has led this. um, And I think he's made a real difference, and there's a place and time of why he's leading this.
2: So if you don't get the 60 votes, if someone's going to pass out of the House, uh, and would it be, when do you think you're going to have a vote in the House, uh, the Senate, and is it even on schedule? Is it possible? Go ahead.
7: Well, you know, the House is not even in session, but they have a committee markup today in judiciary. I imagine we'll see how the Democrats act there. There'll be a lot of amendments that people will want to add in, or others. We'll see if they will take those. Remember, our government's designed to find compromise, not just one party or one speaker rule. Then that will whatever comes out of the um, committee today, we will take up on the House at the end of next week. In the Senate, they're going to try to go to the floor with, with Tim Scott's bill, and in the House, the Republicans will offer the companion bill of Tim Scott's bill. Hopefully, we get to have a vote on that. And then when it passes the House, the Senate will have a virgin that passes, and they'll have to go to conference. But Mitch McConnell has already said there's no votes for the, what the Democrats are wanting to do, but I believe there's an ability to find compromise here and get a law done.
2: Uh talking to Kevin McCarthy. Congressman, right now, in almost all the national polls, uh, the president's trailing by almost double digits. In Michigan, double digits, too. He's in danger. In Arizona, according to some battleground states, uh, polling in danger. Even in Texas, is not a wide difference. In Florida, he's trailing by a few points. Do you view the president and your party currently as trailing here in June?
7: Well... Look, our numbers are not at the highest it's been, but let, let's put everything in perspective. What has this nation gone through in the last few months? We, we had a, a virus, one that we did not invite, one that we did not ask to come from a foreign land that, that had lied to us, end up killing more Americans than the Vietnam War. At the same time, we've gone from the strongest economy down to where 43 million Americans were out of work. And you're complaining that, and people complain that the president's numbers have dropped a little. It's amazing that his numbers are not in the teens. What, what you're seeing, though, is there is a ceiling for this president that he has such a strong base. What we're seeing, too, coming out of the last weeks, the jobs reports, the um, retail sales. What's going to happen is remember when this election is it's in November. The question will be who's the best to rebuild the economy, someone who stays in a basement or someone who's getting the job done, who's best at a time of a crisis. The president showed yesterday he cares about solutions. The question will be what type of America do you want to see, a socialist one that's happening in Seattle or a person who wants to rebuild and renew this country? That's where I fundamentally believe this president will win reelection and by a pretty strong margin once Biden comes out and actually has to take a position. That's the fundamental difference. Remember what we're talking about today. This president got his criminal justice reform. Joe Biden prides himself on being the author of the crime bill. We're looking at a a challenge within this nation about race. You've watched Joe Biden as VP give the eulogy to Senator Byrd, who was part of the KKK, and called him a mentor. And this wasn't in the 80s. This was just a few short years ago when he was vice president.
2: Uh, important to bring up, too, there are 50 liberal groups who are pushing the vice president to atone for that. And one of the things to do is to support, uh, dismantle uh, and defund. I mean, he's in an interesting spot right now because those, he wants that portion of the Democratic Party, and they're very much seemingly on the fence with him.
7: Listen, um, the more you look at Joe Biden's record, the less America wants him anywhere near the White House. Um, That's probably why he stays in the basement. But the one thing I find is America is going to want somebody who's willing to lead, who makes sure that this next century becomes America's century. And you cannot save America if you do not love this country. And what I've watched happening in Seattle is a fundamental difference, and that's going to be a big difference when it comes to the election. If you want to rebuild this economy, we know who's best to do that because he's done it before and he's doing it now. Who's best to stand up to China? An individual whose son gets billions from China or an individual prior to ever running for office has warned us what China would do to America and has stood up to them all along the way. And when it comes to the COVID virus, Look at what this president's been able to do with testing and others. But more importantly, what he's transformed the FDA. When we're sitting here before the next election and have a vaccine coming out, America is going to sit back and say, President Trump has led well.
2: Uh, lastly, you have an LAPD. I know you're in California, not in Los Angeles, but uh, they are now going to be defunded. Money's going to be taken away. They might be taken out of the schools. In New York, they're taking them out of uh, cops out of the schools uh, and, and out of different facilities. Are you concerned about law enforcement in California?
7: I'm, ve- I'm concerned about the safety for Americans. Why would you remove police officers? Why would you cut police officers? Officers, This is a time to invest greater in training and accountability. Uh, This is the opposite of what you would need to do. That's what you're finding with the socialist views of the Democratic Party. It's a knee-jerk reaction instead of sitting back and saying, how do we solve this? That's what Tim Scott has done. That's why his bill should become law. And that's what we're working towards, a more perfect union.
2: Got it. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. It's an uh, exciting time. I, actually, I, I'm optimistic, believe it or not. Maybe, uh, maybe I sound a little bit, I hear a little bit in your voice that something will get done before July 4th.
7: Look, I am always a happy conservative. I believe this is the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of the earth. Whatever challenge we have, we will rise to the occasion. And that's the moment you see today with this bill coming out. And it's an opportunity for all of us to work together to solve the problems that we face. And we can do it to make this country better. So I thank you for the opportunity to be with you again.
2: Okay, Congressman, thanks so much. That's Leader McCarthy. Uh, with that information. And what he's referring to is a press conference that just culminated uh, with Senator Tim Scott leading the charge. Other Republicans uh, also said some few words from Senator Lankford uh, on down, uh, Senator Ben Sass. They all gave their thoughts about their idea of uh, police reform, and law enforcement was at the table. So I am relatively optimistic. Let's see if we can get this done. Back with your calls at one 408
1: You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: From his mouth to to your your ears. ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hey, it's Brian Kilme. Thanks so much for listening. We're just finishing up this hour. It's Father's Day. If you don't mind me telling you, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, out on paperback a couple of weeks ago. It's bendable with more information. Uh, just go to briankilmeade.com or Amazon or anything else, um, and you can get it signed. Meanwhile, John listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, John.
7: Hey, Brian. Great show, as always. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, I've just been trying to call for a couple days. I know you had a guy in last Wednesday or Thursday saying that he thinks that Trump is losing suburban housewives because of his tweets and all that. I think it's opposite. All the people I talk to in northern New Jersey, people who've never voted Republican before, are totally looking to vote for Trump. Um, And I also think the polls, you talk about the polls, as we know, the polls... They don't, they don't poll the right people. I've never been polled. Most of my friends have never been polled. I think, as in 2016, the polls are totally wrong.
2: Yeah, um, we'll see. Now we're going to get this game on. If we can get on the other side of the pandemic, uh, we can get civil unrest somewhat under control. We could go to more traditional head-to-head matchups and see what's resonating. Sharon listening in Houston, Texas, that they might be shutting down again. Hey, Sharon. Sharon, you're on. KSEV. Okay, Fell bad. That was uh, twenty six minutes. Mike on the Fox News Radio app in California. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Hi,
7: Brian. Thanks for taking the call. What's on your mind? Uh, I, right, was just, Mike, I, I was just. I was calling. I was calling about the uh, uh, statues coming down, and um, I, I really believe that. That all of that, the uh, systemic racism charges, um, the removing of history, uh, all of this is, uh, is just a part of the progressive agenda, which um, seeks to uh, take away everything. Um, and ultimately, uh, by painting the entire country as racist, all of our founders as racist, uh, therefore the documents they created were racist. And and therefore, we need to do away with the Constitution. And I believe that that's I believe that's the end game for these progressives.
2: Don't let it happen. I mean, don't let it happen. Uh, they're showing themselves right now. Uh, remember, the, remember, the president said and was laughed at. Soon they're going to want to take down Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln. Where does it stop? And they said, no, no, that has nothing to do with it. Robert E. Lee is different. Uh, yeah, Robert E. Lee is different. But they're all being caught up. In the vortex of tearing down, tear down America's history, we should be embarrassed by it. No, we should study it and we should pay homage to it because without them, there's no us. 1-866-408-7669. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade show. Victor Davis Hanson standing by, one of the deepest thinkers, smartest people you'll ever talk to in uh, in this country. He's going to be here, uh, and we also have other uh, special guests. Uh, we also have Vince Everett Ellison, a uh, African American conservative speaker and author of the 2019 book "The Iron Triangle: uh, Inside the Liberal Democratic Plan to Use Race to Divide Christian, uh, Christians and America in Their Quest for Power." I'll tell you what. Uh, It's happening. There's something going on here, and it's too orchestrated, uh, too pervasive, too widespread to think this is not orchestrated. I'll wait and see while continuing to research and talk to uh, the smartest people on the planet. Uh, Meanwhile, 1-866-408-7669, the number to call to be on the show. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. We can have a conversation about how to name bases. They're trying to divide and whip up a culture war to distract from their failed policies. They have no answer to that, and they want to talk about anything but their actual record.
2: Uh, That is Senator Josh Hawley talking about the war on history, targeting Washington, Jefferson, Jackson, changing names of schools, ripping down statues. Of course, Columbus, because he did this horrible thing called change the world. What does this have to do with police reform? Who is behind this international push to destroy our past?
8: Number two,
5: fewer police on the street preventing crime and protecting community means more crime. And it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. And we increased cops and violent crime went down.
2: Uh, That is Joe Biden in 2007. Uh, The pressure builds on Biden as his past deeds have liberal groups demanding 50 strong defund and dismantle become part of his vernacular. We're going to take a trip down memory lane with Sleepy Joe, who was hoping we would forget. We won't. Plus the latest on Seattle's lawless autonomous zone.
4: Number one. Today, I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. These standards will be as high and as strong as there is on earth.
2: Um, it is happening, but will it get done? President uh, Trevor's Trump's issued executive order on police reform, and reaction is power pouring in on both sides. Senate Republicans have just unveiled their plan today. House Democrats coming up as early as tomorrow. I think this can get done. Let's bring in Victor Davis Hanson to discuss this and so much more. Uh, Victor, I ro- thanks so much for joining us. By the way, um,
9: thank you, thank you.
2: Can you tell? Uh, do I have a reason to be optimistic? Something get can done of substance before July Fourth? Uh,
9: I don't think so. I mean, I don't think you're, you should be optimistic. The country's so divided right now that. It'll be. I think the vocabulary or the nomenclature will be unifying, but the actual bill, I think there's. I don't see them working together at all, very well. to Tell you the truth, there's two different viewpoints of the country right now, and I'm not, I'm not. I think it transcends any one issue. I think we're in the middle of a cultural revolution, whether we like it or not. Whether we say Antifa had nothing to do with it, as the left is saying now, but we have to get through this and i don't think it's going to be wise or they will do right in the middle of a heated polarized climate to not only not to change names we shouldn't do that but we shouldn't rush through legislation unless it's you know it's well thought out i don't think they're going to be they're not even there in washington so i just don't think there's a climate right now that is conducive each side is it's on i mean they're under attack by their own supporters. It's polarized. And we have to get through this, Brian. And we're in a top, we're in an iconoclastic craze right now. We're toppling statues. As you said, we're renaming plazas. We're defacing iconic monuments. We're blacklisting people just like we did in the McCarthy era. We're canceling people out. There's violence in the streets. Um, we're in a racial divide. And I can tell you that it's affecting everybody. I mean, I'm just an individual in the last, I don't know, three days. I've had people trying to cancel columns I've written, try to attack me and where I work and write letters to deplatform me. And I'm not that important. And that's happening to everybody. I know they're going after Fox's Tucker Carlson. And that's what's in that type of climate. I don't see you ha- how you can have reason compromise. Like saying in eighteen you yeah know, in eighteen sixty three are the are members of the Confederacy going to come to the side? I mean that's where we are almost. So in eighteen fifty eight are we all going to sit down and talk about things? You know, before the Battle of Saratoga is Washington going to talk to the British? It doesn't happen that way. It's not a, a shooting war, thank God. But we've all got to take a step back and cool off. And that, I don't think the left wants to do that right now. So I think the Republicans think we have to have some token or some visible public relations um, effort so that we're not categorized, demonized, castigated as racist, Neanderthal. And, and I don't think that's the basis for good legislation, but could be wrong. The, to take it down
2: to statues when... Right. It's unbelievable. Uh, The pandemic, uh, the protests, Uh, we're witnessing that and then the economic strife that goes along with it. And then we have the election period. And Donald Trump, who everyone has an opinion on, he's the most famous man in the world and vilified and lauded by some. I've never seen supporters so in support. I've never seen seen detractors uh, so uh, in in conflict with him. But I think that the war on history caught me by surprise Because the Confederate statues now is something people want to take out. The Nancy Pelosi wants to take out of the Capitol. In the dead of night, they're taking down Columbus statues, Confederate statues. And now they're renaming schools because George Washington had slaves. Were you surprised?
9: No, because all of what you've described has been an esoteric discipline in the academic world for years. And nobody paid much attention. So... It was sort of like a spring-loaded trap that was waiting for somebody to step on it, and these riots and protests had activated it. And then out of the shadows, millions of people who have been indoctrinated in, in this ideology that they have the moral right and imperative to change history, to suit themselves, they they got into action. And they're ignorant because, as you say, they're, ter- they're tearing down statues of abolitionists. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi wants to remove statues from the Capitol Rotunda and yet her own father dedicated a Confederate statue. When these cultural revolutions get to this point, you saw Brian with Me Too. Me Too does not exist now in the sense that Tara Reid, no one listens to her. And I think they should, but they don't. And the reason that they don't is because at some point in that revolution, they took down Matt Lauer, they took down Garrison Keeter, they took down Kevin Spacey. They started getting very close to home. And politicians, and all of a sudden, these people who were targeted said, "There is such a, such a thing called the Fourth and Fifth and First Amendment, and there is such a thing as statute of limitations, cross-examinations, pres- presumption of innocence." When they started cannibalizing their own, they were sort of like the Reign of Terror, Robespierre's, you know, Committee of Public Safety in 1793, and all of a sudden, people said. This is getting dangerous, because I'm a revolutionary, and they're guillotining their own, and I'm going to stop it. So the Thermidor stopped it. Same thing with Mao and the Cultural Revolution. Once they put dunce caps and started clubbing people with eyeglasses that were close to Mao, he stopped it. And then he died, of course, and his successor stopped it. And what's happening now is when you are putting people like Dan Abrams, a, a virulent Trump hater and his analysis of the Russian quote-unquote hoax for two years. And when you say that he's a, he's a right-wing guy with a cop show and he can't have his cop show, then he's not going to be sympathetic to that. And when you go after Pelosi's father... And the statue that he put in, well, people aren't going to be sympathetic. And when you go after Ross Simone, the self-styled insurrectionist with his AR-15 in Chaz or whatever it's called now, because he has a history of homophobic tweeting, and he doesn't cut the mustard. At some point, people are looking at each other and saying, you know what, this is out. And so what you see the last 48 hours is a concentrated effort by the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, the whole engines of the mainstream media to say that Antifa has nothing to do with this. This is all a slur, and that Mr. Simone is not a warlord. And they're all paranoid that they're just, the tipping point has been reached, and they know that the backlash is coming. They're just afraid they don't know how big it is. But there's certain little indications that are not their polls that worry them. Like, million people signed up for a Trump rally, or record sales of guns in May, 1.7 million, or Gun With a Wind, the biggest TV now on Amazon, or 20% spike in real estate sales from people trying to leave these cities suddenly. And when they look at that, they say... Maybe we can't trust the NBC poll. Maybe these people are a silent majority. I thought the demographic had changed and they were irrelevant. And so they're starting to think, you know what, cool it. And I'm saying they, I'm referencing the Democratic DNC. They're worried about it. And it doesn't help. So I think that this revolutionary fervor is now in the downward slope. And we're going to see once it starts cannibalizing leftists, they stop it pretty quick.
2: Yeah, remember Al Franken in the mix of that. Victor, that was so well put in perspective. I would would, would like to interject, but you were plowing the new ground. I'm going to add this. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, when he was 17 years old, got him some trouble in Boston uh, chasing a black kid. He has to apologize for that. Howard Stern, one of the uh, the most talented people I ever heard on radio. I've heard him for 25 years. Now they found him doing blackface. He did the craziest things you could ever imagine on television and on radio. They found him making comments, uh, racially insensitive comments. He had to deal with that on Monday. Jimmy Fallon, uh, blackface in an SNL skit. He had two weeks where he was allegedly canceled, the host of The Tonight Show.
9: I know. How about Quentin Tarantino and the N-word that his shows routinely, his movies have put in. Now he's under the gun again. And it's going to go on and on and on as cultural revolutions do they're holistic they examine everything everything from cartoons to sports and we're way beyond tragically george floyd that was a terrible thing that happened but the left has used that and he's now he's secondary to this this is the left step forward and hijack this protest and they said you know what we didn't get this agenda in the democratic primary our candidates could not get 51% on reparations at new green deal wealth tax but this progressive socialist agenda has a second life now and we're going to ram it down your throats and that's where we are and notice that there's all these peripheral so. things that come up you know let's pack the courts suddenly again pack the supreme court get rid of the electoral college there's a agenda. And poor Joe Biden is the unknowingly avatar of it. They think that they can take him and inflate him and carry him to the finish line. And then their vice president, which will be one of these people, these progressives, they'll get the agenda in the back door through Biden.
2: Don't let him speak. You know what? You're 100% right. He got a letter. A letter was composed yesterday from 15 national progressive groups uh, demanding that he uh, come clean on his past tough uh, tough take on criminal justice, his, uh, his yeah. criminal justice reform that he put put forward uh, his— uh, And what's the his, subtext uh, of that, He did Brian? in the
9: 90s. Yeah, you know what the subtext of that is. That Go with was my agenda official, or you're you not going to get elected. Exactly. And then the private email was, you can maybe get—we uh, might compromise on somebody like Susan Rice or Kamala Harris, but we would like Stacey Abrams or more radical. But you have, this, this is what we want. And Joe Biden, to the degree that he's cognitively aware of what's going on, he doesn't have free will. So they're going to make him an empty vessel. They're carrying him across the finish line. But he's going to have a hard, progressive vice president That with a wink and a nod. Sort of like getting rid of Henry Wallace and putting Truman on the 1944 ticket when everybody knew Roosevelt was not going to last much longer as president. And it worked. We got rid of a communist and we got a hardcore good guy, Truman. This is the opposite situation. We're going to get a hardcore socialist that they think will be president sooner than later. And when you add all these other things, Brian, we have this revolt of the generals. These are sober and judicious people that are saying things, you know, like General Allen, the government in the United States ended by Trump on June 1st or david petraeus suddenly at the age of 70 i realized that fort bragg and fort benny were what you know they were racist well maybe they were but it doesn't take you know i'm not a genius but at the age of 18 i knew who braxton bragg was i knew he was a racist mediocrity and i knew why they named fort bragg over him and it wasn't to promote racism it was to get southern support for military funding by putting necessary bases in the South with a wink and a nod idea that the Southerners would get to name them, and then we would have troops down there if they ever tried anything again, and it would help the U.S. And that's the whole context. And if you ask a Green Beret person, are you ashamed of Fort Bragg affiliation, they would say, I don't even know who that guy was. I like the name Bragg. but and to make that an issue in a time of chaos is absurd. It's like rewarding the guy with a bullhorn rather than the legislator whose whose purview is to discuss these things rationally. And when you add, you know, I I really adore Jim Mattis, but when he writes that Trump has made a constitutional mockery, and we have to unite without him, and only a small number of protesters are violent, that's not factually accurate. And why? Of course, it was icon, I couldn't. I couldn't
2: believe it. Yeah.
9: I couldn't either. And I think and Victor, what's happening to, is there's a stampede, Brian, and people are trying to show that they're not racist or right wing and they're doing some very dangerous things.
2: Victor Davis Hansen, you wrote this columns on it. Look up these three columns. Uh, you talked about all this stuff and you also plowed new ground with us. I can't thank you enough for trying to bring some sanity and clarify what we're going through right now. Talk to you again, Victor.
9: Thank you, Brian.
2: You got it. 1-866-408-7669. Your call's next.
3: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
0: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Uh, Andre, listen, on News 96.5 in Orlando. Hey, Andre. Hey,
8: how you doing? Thank you, Brian, for taking my up. Good, uh, man. Call.
2: No problem. What's on your mind?
8: Hello, can you hear me?
2: How do you feel about taking down these statues? That's what you want to talk about. Go ahead.
8: Oh, yeah, uh me being american uh, a proud american a black american i don't think taking down statues would change anything uh as a matter of fact there should be more statues of great pioneers such as uh frederick Douglass, uh uh, lewis latimer uh and and, and instead absolutely yeah so uh it's my opinion i'm not a big politician guy or follow politics that well but i love your show and uh i just think Tearing down statues won't solve anything. That's my, my comment and my opinion.
2: Thank you, sir. Hey, Andre, Frederick Douglass wanted to be an American. He was born a slave and was a fugitive for eight years. At any moment, he could have lost his freedom. Through all the Civil War, he still wanted to be an American. Booker T. Washington, born a slave, Up From Slavery, named his book, still wanted to be an American, made our country better along the way. If you think we're not perfect now, think about it then. But it didn't mean we weren't doing a lot of right things then. So I'm, there's something behind this that I find very unsettling that's not Democrat or Republican, and I have yet to figure it out, but I will. 1 866 408 7669. I'm going to talk more about this when we get back, including an Oklahoma State coach that wore this shirt of a conservative network and had to apologize or he's was going to lose one of his best players. I am not kidding
3: the fox news Podcasts network download and listen to the one with craig gutfeld the co-host of the five like you've never heard him before you know him you love him you want to be like him subscribe and listen now by going to FoxnewsPodcasts.com.
1: a radio show like no other it's brian kilmeade
5: when you look across this range you can look at education Uh, Obviously, health disparities we talked about at the root of these is racism and institutional racism. It's not just an individual thing. It's a systemic thing. So we have to draw that connection if we're going to be able to disentangle it from our systems. And that's going to require policy change. It's going to require budgetary changes. Uh, And that's why I think it's important to call it uh, and name it as a public health crisis.
2: Wow, William Juwanbo of Montgomery, Maryland, he's a councilman, city, a county council member. He wants racism. Uh, to be categorized as a health crisis. I'm not sure I can sign on to that. Victor, Vince Everett Ellison is a black conservative and author of the 2019 book, The Iron Triangle, Inside the Liberal Democratic Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians and America in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Defeat Them. Hey, Vince, everything you wrote about is happening.
8: Yeah, man, I called it then, Brian. Very, thank you for, for allowing me to be on your show today. Um, It's like a Mike Tyson left hook. You know it's going to come, always. Um, I I wrote this book after I grew up on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee, and was in the church, and we had a family singing group called the Ellison Family, so I got to know the church very well. After college, I worked in a prison for five years, a national security prison in South Carolina, and I saw so many black men being locked up my age, and I thought we had overcome, and I started asking the question, what was going on, and the black intelligentsia told me, it was those dirty rich white Republicans. They're locking up all these black men, you know. So I resigned my post and went started a nonprofit that nailed these Republicans to the wall. And when I got to the black community, I found out something interesting. There were no rich white Republicans down there, only um, black Democrats. And it was three in particular that were making a lot of money off of the chaos. And I called them the Iron Triangle. Most black preachers, most black politicians, and most black civic organizers. And they're controlled by the white liberal establishment that pay them to ensure that they get 90% of the black vote every election year so they can stay in power. And they don't care what it takes, hook up by a crook, keep them ignorant, keep them poor, keep them fighting one another. But we want 90% of the vote. And so that's where you have the souls to the polls. That's where you have the terrible schools. That's where you have this absolute oppression in the black community. And it's all about the Democratic Party. Democrat Party. If you, want to end, if you want to end systematic racism, you'd have to outlaw the Democrat Party. And by the way,
2: that's what history says. I mean, people forget Lincoln was a Republican. They forget the KKK were Democrats. So, I mean, this all reversed in the 60s when it came to civil rights reform. And LBJ knew exactly what he was doing. By the way, there's this guy running for president called Joe Biden. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's what he said uh, in 2007 about crime. Cut 21.
5: Fewer police on the street preventing crime and protecting community means more crime. And it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. We went through this whole debate during the 80s and 90s when I was told the Biden crime bill would have no impact because we've tried it before. We never tried it before. We never increased that many cops before. And we increased cops and violent
2: crime went down. So that's a fine message. It's not the message liberal Democrats want to hear and the 50 liberal groups that wrote him demanding he start adopting to fund and dismantle this guy is got, either got to change totally how he feels run from his past record apologize and then sprint to the left or he's through
8: Well, the Joe's an old crap. you know he uh he, he he sees black people through that through the same prism that the the old southern Democrats uh, before during the doing civil rights movement sees us he got Jim clarvin's endorsement because Jim clarvin has been in power 27 years and He is one of the poorest, most crime-ridden, most ill-educated districts in the whole United States of America. But they see that as a utopia. Listen, the Washington Post put out a a story June 4th that said that there has been no narrowing in the wealth gap since 1968 between black and white people. Um, uh, The DNC platform this year is cited a Harvard study that said that public schools are more segregated now than they were before Brown versus Board of Education. We have 10 times more black men in jail than we had in the 60s. We are. We are. The schools are, are worse. The family has disintegrated. There's a cultural genocide in the black community. And Joe Biden says he's proud of it. He said with his own mouth, I'm proud of what's going on in the black community. I am proud of my record. So this means that they, these guys are not going to change it. He's going to keep it going, and he's going to expand it. We have the lowest life expectancy of any group in the industrialized world, and we have more government health care than anybody. And what do they want to do? They want to expand government health care. The educational system is the worst educational system in the whole industrialized world. And instead of giving these children school choice like Donald Trump wants, they want to expand their health care system. We are being hunted. Now, they say that they're being hunted in the inner city by white police and by gangs. And what is their plan? To continue to disarm the citizens and restrict their unalienable right to defend themselves. You know what I mean? Why well, don't the people just be expeditious and blow their own brains out? You know, we are electing the black community is electing the very people that are destroying them, and Donald Trump, on the in in, in the short end, is the best chance we have to stop some of this some of this craziness. Now,
2: a lot of people listening right now will almost say, "You got to be kidding me, Donald Trump." Uh, you know, he has no history of attacking race issues. Why would Donald Trump be the guy? What do you see in Trump that so many in the black community don't?
8: Donald Trump supports school choice, letting uh, uh, black children out of these schools that are not educating them. Some of these schools has, uh, have children that are not proficient in reading and math at all. Trump supports your right to defend yourself. We saw during these riots, if anything came good out of these riots, it was a fact that every argument against the Second Amendment has been obliterated. We saw these liberal Democrat mayors tell the police to stand down and allow mobs to destroy their property and put their lives in jeopardy. So Donald Trump will give you the right to defend yourself, which is an uh, unalienable right given you by God. It shouldn't be taken away by government. He, He also is going to support strong jobs, strong economy. He's going to keep out illegal. Now, legal immigration is fine. But illegal immigrants, they always compete for space, for schools, for jobs, for housing, for wages, uh, government services. Some of them bring down crime, some bring drugs. Trump is is, is not is going to stop the government from violating your religious liberties. He's going to allow you to pray in schools. He's going to allow you to come together and pray and worship the way you want. And, 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 and he's going to not allow this government health care system to take over the system that is actually killing more right. black people uh, uh, than, than the private system, and Donald Trump is letting the black men out of jail that Joe Biden locked, locked up. I mean, and that's just some of it. Vince, so,
2: Vince so Everett, yeah, this, this I, I, sorry, I, got, I got to bring you... Well, uh, Vince, your, your point is so uh, relevant right now more than ever. Vince Everett Ellison, our guest, his book is called The Iron Triangle, Inside the Liberal Democrat Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians and Americans in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Defeat Them. So you mentioned James Clyburn, and you mentioned he is the kingmaker who gave the nomination to one of the worst candidates I've ever seen, to the point where he wasn't even being engaged on debates because people felt bad for Joe Biden. Next thing you know, he is the nominee. So you look at what Trump did. You might despise him. This is a fact. He did the criminal, uh, uh, criminal defense reform. He actually went out and is financing black colleges. He did the opportunity zones, incentivizing major corporations mm. to start revitalizing urban and rundown communities. So listen to James Clyburn last night with Brett Baer. Cut eight. What do you say to him?
6: None of that's true. The fact of the matter is... Uh, none of that's true? None of that is true. I went to an HBCU. I'm a graduate of South Carolina State University. I have been fighting for HBCUs all of my life, this is not the most money that's ever gone to HBCUs. That is just absolutely. So, what about nonsense. the
4: First Step Act or Opportunity that's, Zones?
6: Well, the president uh, signed that bill, uh, but uh, Cedric Richmond uh, wrote much more of that bill than the president ever read. So, I know how the bill got
2: done. The bill got done because the president signed it. Barack Obama never signed it. To, to his credit, Hakeem Jeffries and Cedric Richmond wrote a lot of that bill. He denied the president did any of this. And and what I led to is Tim Scott was outlining all these things that the president has done. And he just says it's not true. And he gets away with it.
8: Yeah, J- James Clyburn has been um, an old Democratic machine guy for years. If uh, uh, Donald Trump cured cancer, he, he would not support it. You know, it's just what it is. I mean, your, your listeners can go to my website, Brian, at irontrianglebook.com, irontrianglebook.com. They can, they can see how to purchase the book, their blogs, and there's a lot of stuff there, a lot of information for them. But the only thing that's going to save this right now in the long term is for Christians to understand that we have to go back and get our brothers and sisters. We have to remind them who they are. See, if you understand and know who you are as a Christian, and 85% of black people say they are, they will understand that they cannot be victims. They, are, they will understand that they are not what the left say they are. They will understand that they are not helpless. They are not despised. Uh, that they are not oppressed. They will understand that they are more than conquerors. And this is why they cannot affect me. I know who I am. You cannot. It's not about racism. It's how you respond to racism. We can't control what happens to us. We can only control how we respond to what happens to us. So you build yourself a shelter against a racism. You inoculate yourself against it. You get a vocation where you're so good at it that your color doesn't matter. You, you Whatever your faith, you practice it. And and, 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 and then you, you love one another. And if someone comes around you that is trying to hurt you, you arm yourself so that it cannot take away your life, your liberty, or your property. That's how you defend yourself against racism. And bring good people around you, so- push bad people away. That's the whole argument.
2: So, Vince, when you see statues of Confederate generals, when you see statues of George Washington, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Thomas Jefferson, do you want to take them down because one fought for slavery and one had slaves?
8: That is a diversion. If we, we should start tearing down crack houses before we start tearing down monuments. We have many more things in the black community to be concerned about right now. That is a Taliban action. The Taliban is erasing, was trying to erase history all over the Middle East, history that they did not like, and we need to be careful. Because right now some of these um, liberal governors and mayors have the power to do so. But when it is flipped and the power gets in the hands of another side and they start taking out uh, monuments and naming uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., taking down streets and, and, and renaming streets of people that they care about, they're going to have an attitude. It is crazy to try to apply our standards to 17th century and 18th century people. It's our history. We learn from it. You don't change it. We have our Constitution and our Bible. Our Bible makes sure that we have the, 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 the Old Testament so we can see how far we've come when Jesus Christ saved us. We have our Constitution that said at one point I was three-fifths of a human being. Said that women couldn't vote, but we keep it. We don't erase it so that we can see how far we've come. It is part of our history. And we changed we have it. To deal with all it. And of we changed us. it. Yes, we changed it. We changed it, and we right. know how far we've come. And it's the good, the bad, and ugly, but it's us. And everybody had a hand in it. Black, white, there were black slave owners. We know that to be true. There were black people that sold us from Africa. We know that to be true. Nobody's hands are clean in this history. This is foolishness. And they use these deflections, and when you go down there, not one black child has a better education. Not one black child is fair, Not one family's together, and not one child is brought to Christ. This is a nothing but deflection, and that's all they ever do.
2: Well, I'll tell you how things are reversed. So, for example, if I come out and say 75% of white children are born out of wedlock to a single mom, obviously out of wedlock to a single mom, obviously, they, well, I'm distracting. Well, that's not saying Mm -hmm. that cops are right and they're not targeting African-Americans. But where does the lack of family structure figure in the struggles right now in the black community?
8: Tell you a real quick story. Um, Martin Luther King, uh, when when, when Monahan did the report in 1965 and brought it to Lyndon Johnson, and said we have to put the black man back in charge of his family to save the black family and the black community. Johnson says, take it to the civil rights community. This is in the book uh, that David Garrow wrote. and I have it in my book. Uh, and and they talked about when Monahan took this 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 this, this, this Monahan report to the to the civil rights community, and the civil rights community completely rejected it. As a matter of fact, it was said in the book. It was, a, it was amazing that Moynihan got out of that room alive. They rejected it and wanted Johnson to put in the man out clause. And the man out clause said that you only get money if, if you have children and you're unmarried. And that's what the federal government did. And in one generation, one generation, we turned from being 80% of our children being born with two parents' families to 80% being born out of wedlock. And that was because of the civil rights movement and the liberals in the Democrat Party that took it over because they got the black vote, and the black vote voted Democrat completely. And this is where we have to have our fight. hundred uh, uh, There's an old billion term that says 90% of every gig is showing up. And conservatives don't show up. Democrats do. True. And this is why they beat us. Yep. It's not because their plans are better. It's because they show up and we don't. And Donald Trump is the first one to start to show up since Lincoln went to Richmond in 1865. He's the first one to talk about uh, I'm going to add community.
2: something else. I was embarrassed for Mitt Romney. He all of a sudden is oh, marching man, yeah. with Black Lives Matter. This guy got 7% or 8% of the black vote, didn't even try for it for when he ran for president twice. And now all of a sudden, because it would hurt Trump or he just had a revelation, he says, We got to start doing this more. Really? He never showed up in any black areas. And George W. Bush, who I think is going to be considered a much better president than he is right now in the future, he turned down mm-hmm. invitations to
8: appear. And that's a big mistake. Republicans didn't try. Yeah, they need to start showing up. And this is why I, I, I'm telling my Christian brothers and sisters, we have to start going over politics. We have to get back into missionary work and evangelizing like we did before. Uh, we're supposed to evangelize each other. We're supposed to hold each other up. And we're afraid to go down there now because we know there's, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure to conform in the black community. Uh, when it when it comes to politics, and uh, there's swift retribution to anyone that steps out of line. I just happen to be one of those guys that worked in a prison for five years, and you they don't care. scare me. No, they yep. don't scare me. Matter of fact, I seek the contact. Gotcha. So if they want to, if they if, you if, 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 if they want to throw down, let's throw down. Because the truth is on my side. I'm protected by a power that they cannot see. I know who I am. I know who my father is. That's why I walk in my country, and I am an American. I don't, if somebody walks up to me and tells me that he's superior to me, I laugh at them because I know it's ridiculous. I support the Second Amendment. Vincent. I support the First Amendment. And we live here as men. That's who I am. Vince,
2: Vincent Everett Ellison, awesome. Fantastic talking to you. And if you're listening right now and you want to do something good today, pick up his book, The Iron Triangle. Vince, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for helping the show so much.
8: Hey Brian, we watch you every morning Um, Angela, you You guys are great God bless you for the work that you do Really, really We don't know where we'd be without you guys I, guys I, I hope you never find out Back in a moment
1: This is the Brian Kilmeade Show We did not want them to be Without the equipment That they needed
7: so there was not enthusiasm about going out and everybody buying a mask or getting a mask. We were afraid that that would deter away from the people who really needed it. Although there appeared to be some contradiction of you were saying this then and why you're saying this now, actually the
2: circumstances have changed. What he's saying is he lied. In a time in which he could have said, get a bandana, don't use a mask and uh, because they need him at the hospital, we all knew. There'll be no one. I don't care the richest, most affluent person walking around with a mask because they'd be vilified because they'd be keeping it from a nurse or a doctor. So he lied to us for a few months. And if it's true that masks help, put us in additional danger. Anthony Fauci, who also told baseball, don't play deep into the fall. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are we still listening to him? Brian Kilmeade here. Pick up Sam Houston, The Alamo Avengers. You can believe anything in that book.